welcome to this special ProPass webinar series. We have started a collaboration with ProPass Consortium and are publishing their webinars in podcast format so more people can benefit from their useful content. In short, ProPass is an international research collaboration platform of cohorts using Taiwan accelerometry to explore the effects of physical activity, posture, and sleep patterns on a wide range of health outcomes. Without further ado, let's jump to ProPass webinar. Thanks very much, uh, Alex. That was uh, stunning. Thank you very much. That was a really interesting uh, presentation. Uh, I just I'd, li I'd like to remind our audience that uh, please uh, post your questions on the chat function. Uh, I posted that uh, after Alex started speaking, so I'm not sure if everyone has seen it. Uh, if there are no questions by our audience, I have one. And I'd like to understand, Alex, what is the role of how do you take it into account in the studies, uh, in the studies you, the last couple of studies you described us? How do you take into account that uh, by default the wrist and um, so the thigh placement, the, the 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 wrist placement will capture spontaneous uh, arms movement as well. So you know people like myself, Mediterraneans have that habit. Spanish people, Italian, Greek, we speak with, with our hands. What are there any filters in place to uh, detect that the signal that comes from spontaneous uh, hand movement? Because the interest in uh, epidemiology, at least, is ambulatory movement mostly. Uh, we know that uh, accelerometers cannot, at this point in time, they cannot do a good job with capturing upper body activity. So uh, it could be a bit of uh, it could add quite a lot of noise potentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think on the slide that I showed of Ben's study where he's got the wrist and the thigh accelerations compared and we saw that the wrist accelerations were higher at the longer time periods I think that's exactly what you're talking about it's picking up this extraneous movement gesticulation and so on um, whereas during the periods of about 60 minutes to 15 minutes most active of the day then the thigh was higher and that's probably to do with that ambulatory movement and so for me I think that's why it'll be very interesting to see how the intensity gradient calculated from the thigh associates with the health markers because that's going to be picking up more of the ambulatory motion and not so um, influenced by this extraneous um, gesticulation or hand movement that's there so that is going to be inflating potentially the average acceleration for the wrist although interestingly when we saw the wrist accelerations from the activity and the thigh accelerations from the activity, they were actually fairly similar. And I think that relates again to that distribution being different across the day, which is why I think we just need to tease out a little bit more. Now we'd expect, um, given what you just said, the intensity gradient may be better at the thigh because you're not getting that noise in it. Um, but I think our early indications are showing that we get less of an association when we look with the thigh. <laughs> Uh, so you think that there are no signal processing methods at this point in time to somehow filter out uh, gesticulation? Uh, I think, there, uh, yeah. Um, 
I'm sure you'd be able to filter it out. I think it's maybe more of a question of whether that's what you want to do. So it's whether you're capturing um, essentially movement of everything from that body site, from that wear site, or whether you're looking to cap to filter out any of that minor movement. So for example, the, the accelerations that we get from that gesticulation tend to be lower than what you get from the ambulatory walking. So it is still sort of movement, but it's not that metabolic movement. So it's what your question is, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, we have a very another very interesting question, although it's time to move on. But uh, the question is very interesting. So I'd like to ask you. So Gemma is asking, where are we with waste-worn accelerometry? There is lots and lots of existing data on waste-worn accelerometry. So waste accelerometry is where the field started, in particular in epidemiology. Uh, all uh, the, the first large studies in Haynes back in 2003, for example, uh, all used waste accelerometry. Where are we? Is the field developing or it is static and from this point on simply we will be using the cut points and uh, repeating the same story as all previous studies? I, I don't think there's any need to abandon waste accelerometry. I think it's a case of um, what uh, method is most appropriate for your research question. And I think one of the reasons that people have maybe moved away from the waste is it's less easy to wear overnight. So getting that 24-hour picture is not always as convenient. But then the ISCALI study, International Study of Childhood Obesity, Lifestyle and Environment, had the children wearing um, waste-worn actigraphs 24 hours a day. And um, they got pretty good compliance for that. So um, we've also looked at waste accelerometry with the intensity gradients as well, and we got similar associations. Um, there was much more similarity between the intensity gradient at the waist and the wrist than there is between the thigh and the wrist. Um, so, no, I don't think there's any reason to abandon it. It's still the um, center of gravity, if you like. It's uh, going to capture the whole body movement. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so every each accelerometry side method, method has its merit, and we should not forget mm. that uh, the waste accelerometry cohorts uh, including the harmonized analysis that Ulf Ekelund's group has published in the last few years, major harmonized pooled analysis. These are the longest term epidemiological studies in the field mm. in terms of uh, observational research. Thank you. Um, and uh, thanks very much, uh, Alex. Uh, it was sensational. And I'd like, I have the honor now to introduce the second speaker for the day, who is also from the University of Leicester, uh, Dr. Tatiana uh, Plekhanova. Tatiana uh, is an early career researcher with an interest in physical activity and sleep. And uh, some of your research work is focused on accelerometry data and uh, with a particular focus on the bi-directional association between sleep and uh, physical activity. Uh, and uh, like Alex, Tatiana will be talking about analytic techniques and uh, data pro uh, accelerometry data processing techniques. Tatiana, welcome and thank you for joining us today. The floor is yours. Yeah, so hi everyone. And um, uh, in today's webinar, I will, and thanks for uh, the introduction, Manus. And uh, in today's webinar, I will be talking about the approaches to accelerometer data processing and analysis that allow investigation into the day-to-day bidirectional -day, uh, relationship between physical activity and sleep behaviors. Uh, so my presentation is going to be slightly more technical than Alex's, but I hope it will be as interesting. 
Um, so here's the outline for today's webinar. So I will start with some background information in this area, and then I will talk um, about the study that I've done, looking at those associations and how the data set for the study was collected. And then we'll go through in detail how the axerometer data was processed uh, and prepared for the analysis. And then to end the presentation, I will quickly outline what we found in the study. So it is well known now that sleep and physical activity are both uh, important health behaviors. Uh, numerous studies have shown that low levels of physical activity, insufficient sleep, or uh, poor quality sleep are associated with uh, cardiovascular disease, metabolic disorder, depression, obesity, and premature mortality. And there is now a wealth of evidence demonstrating that physical activity can promote sleep. And this link has been established through uh, numerous experimental trials as well as cross-sectional studies. And not surprisingly, there's also evidence that better sleep uh, can promote uh, more physical activity the next day. And now there's an increasing number in studies uh, suggesting that the two behaviors are related in a bidirectional manner. And why investigate the day-to-day -day bidirectional, bidirectional relationship? Um, this allows us to capture and examine the daily fluctuations in physical activity and sleep and provide a better understanding on how they might influence one another, uh, which will in turn can help us uh, improve the efficacy of uh, behavioral interventions. And uh, now I'm just going to talk about the study that I've done. So this paper uh, was published last year and it had two aims. And the first aim of the study was to examine the effect of exercise training on sleep duration and quality. And the second aim, and the one that we are going to focus on today, uh, was to examine whether physical activity had an effect on subsequent sleep or whether the sleep had an effect on physical activity uh, the next day. So... This was a secondary data analysis of a clinical trial of uh, an exercise intervention called uh, Team GB. Uh, has nothing to do with the Olympics, uh, but it's a short for the exercise gut bacteria study. So in this study, 14 inactive men uh, with obesity uh, completed a baseline after which they began an eight week training protocol, which consisted of um, uh, three exercise sessions per week uh, based on aerobic activities. And uh, one month after the intervention ended, they attended the final follow-up visit. And throughout the whole study, participants uh, wore continuously uh, the geniactive accelerometer on their non-dominant wrist, and they also completed a sleep log. So on average, participants wore the device for about two and a half months in this study. So this is um, a graphic representation of the study design as well as the physical activity variables and sleep variables uh, that we were interested in. So uh, here we were interested whether these four physical activity characteristics were associated with these four sleep characteristics 
all night one. And then we were interested whether those sleep projects again were associated with the physical activity uh, variables on day two and so on and so forth. So these were the, just some of the variables that we were interested in. Of course, they can be um, some others, for example, time spent inactive, uh, midpoint of sleep, the waking time. So I guess just depends on the research question. So moving on to the accelerometer processing uh, bits. So all accelerometer files will process uh, using a GGIR package in R. And uh, uh, this is an open source uh, software which allows to process uh, raw accelerometer data. And um, it can process data from other uh, accelerometer brands, not just the uh, Gini Active that was used in this study. And here on the right, uh, we can see the example of a script in uh, R and uh, sorry, just the parts of the script. And this script is actually available on the CRAN project website. Uh, so where all the documentation related to R are stored. So meaning that no prior knowledge of R is actually required to be able to process uh, accelerometer data. And this script, also allow us, allows us to um, specify some of the key arguments, for example, thresholds for the moderate to vigorous activity. So those will be different from children and adults, and we can just change them within the scripts. And this is just one of the examples. There are many other arguments that we can uh, change uh, there. And the GGIR produces several outputs. So the part two outputs uh, contains physical activity data only. Uh, part four has sleep data only. And part five uh, actually combines both uh, physical activity and sleep data together. Also within the script in part five, uh, we can specify the time window. And the time window is basically when we want our day go from midnight to midnight or from waking up to waking up. And because in the midnight to midnight window, the sleep data is taken from two different nights. Uh, it was not suitable for this type of study. So we use the waking up to waking up time window. And why did we just combine part two and four together? It's because of the time windows defined differently. So in part two, Time window is defined from midnight to midnight, and in part four, it's from noon to noon. And for each of these outputs, uh, we get two files. So the person level data, which is a summary, and the day level data. And because we are interested in day-to-day -day associations, um, we use the day level data in this study. And just... Uh, before we move on with the processing, just going to describe the sleep detection algorithm in GGIR. So this algorithm was first developed by Vincent Van Hees in 2015. And this algorithm is um, based on wrist rotation. So the sleep is defined as sustained inactivity determined as an absence of change in wrist rotation greater than five degrees for five minutes or user-defined duration. So the user-defined duration here means that you can actually change the five minutes definition to 10, for example, and this can all be changed uh, within the script. 
And this algorithm has been validated against the um, polysomnography, which is a gold standard for sleep assessment. And it showed quite high overall accuracy of 83%, uh, sensitivity of uh, 91% uh, to detect sleep periods, and but quite low specificity, so it's um, to detect wake periods during sleep. And this algorithm actually requires participants to complete a sleep log in which they record uh, the bedtimes and rising times. And this information is then used to guide the algorithm to identify the main sleep episode. However, um, a couple of years ago, uh, again, uh, when he set out, they developed an automated sleep detection algorithm, which uh, doesn't require completion of, uh, of a sleep log. So before we can uh, sort of create uh, the data sets um, from our outputs, uh, first, we would need to conduct some data quality checks. So in addition to the outputs that we get, so this part two, four, and five, the GGIR produces uh, several visual reports that we can use for those quality checks. And for instance, from these plots, uh, we can quickly see non-where, which here we can see as this orange lines here. So this plot visualizes accelerometer time series for each day across the whole measurement period. And those dips here, um, kind of with the little acceleration, they represent nights. So in this instance, we see that this participant wore uh, the device uh, pretty much all the time, only removing it for a little bit in, on few occasions. It was slightly longer here, but this is where we switched the devices. So that was to be expected here. And in contrast, uh, this participant has quite a lot of non-wear, and in, he didn't wear it on maybe just on one night. So consequently, this participant wasn't excluded from the analysis because sleep data is quite essential uh, for the study. And just to mention here that this is just kind of a visual QC plot, but we also get uh, an actual data quality report as a CSV file uh, where we can see uh, calibration results, whether any of the files uh, were corrupt or too short to be processed. And then it is also quite important to do the quality checks for sleep data. And if we use the sleep log, uh, we need to check the discrepancy between the accelerometer detected sleep-wake against the sleep-wake report in the sleep log uh, by a participant. So we can do it using the outputs by arranging the data um, and identifying the nights with a difference, for example, four hours. And this number can actually be two hours or three hours. Just the lower the number, the more nights there will probably be to kind of will require further inspection. And of course, something to consider when you have uh, a very large sample size because this can be quite time consuming. And yes, so we can inspect those nights that we identified uh, manually by inspecting some uh, visual reports. Uh, but first, it's always good to check if it was just that data entry error. And if it was, we can just simply change it in the log and just rerun the analysis. So here is um, 
uh, one of the visual reports that you can use to sort of look at those doji nights. So in this graph, each line uh, represents one night. And so the, the red and blue colors, they, um, so this means uh, the sleep detected by uh, accelerometers, they have uh, two different colors because of a different definition, so five or 10 minutes. Then the green and yellow, they represent the sustained activity during the day. And then the hashed area, hopefully you can see here. So this is the time, uh, sleep awake detected by a sleep log. And what we're looking for in this graph is the overlap between the accelerometer detected sleep and wake and uh, sleep and wake detected by sleep log. So actually in this graph, um, there is very little difference. And so we wouldn't need to do anything, but this graph can actually be generated just for the outliers. So meaning that all the good nights would not be included. So it's hopefully will be a bit uh, easier to inspect. But again, this will need to be uh, specified within the script uh, before processing data. And another graph that uh, we can use to further inspect our results is by looking um, at this summary. So it shows uh, the, so the summary daily metrics. So we can see, for example, sleep in red and periods of rest during the day and just a little bit of an active period over here. And sort of here, the small changes in the arm angle, they represent uh, a sleep period. So looking at these graphs is probably more useful where the sleep log was not used actually, because it can help us identify the nights which were erroneously detected um, by the algorithm. And also just to mention that this is a very old graph and now they look uh, something like this, they are much more user-friendly and we can actually see exactly uh, when the sleep started and when the sleep window ended. And just uh, one more graph. So it, here we can inspect the night data a bit more closely because unlike in the previous graph, these, uh, we see the data from noon to noon. So the night is not broken. And again, it just can help us uh, to identify those, um, the start of the sleep uh, window and the end of it. And just to mention here that um, inspecting the individual nights can be uh, quite time consuming, especially in large uh, sample sizes. So it's good to have some kind of rules beforehand. So for instance, just to check the outliers. So it will help to speed up this process. And next, so here is the, uh, the example output from part five. And we can see that uh, we have uh, multiple rows uh, for participants and we have our sleep metrics and physical activity metrics. And it's important for creating our data sets that we keep the calendar date because it's gonna help us to align them uh, properly. So now that we've checked the data for quality, we need to prepare two data sets. Uh, that's because we're looking at bidirectional associations. So in the first data set, uh, looking at uh, whether physical activity had an effect on sleep the following night, 
we want the sleep variables to be aligned uh, on night X together with physical activity variables on day X. So actually, if we go to the previous slide, these uh, variables are already aligned as we need them to be. So we, would, we can just use this output as our first data set, just uh, making sure that all the uh, dodge nights or whatever data we need to remove has been removed. And then in our second data set, uh, looking at whether sleep had an effect on physical activity the next day, we need to align our sleep variables on night X uh, together with physical activity variables on day X plus one. So what it means is that we just need to make sure that we move our activity variables up by one day. And so this is how we get our uh, second data set. And now that our data sets are ready, we need to uh, choose appropriate statistical methods that allow analysis of repeated measures within individual individuals. Um, so these are just some examples here that's been used uh, in similar studies. Um, for example, generalized estimating equations or mixed effects um, yes. So um, in this study, we actually use the generalized estimating equations to examine those associations. And just briefly, uh, what we actually found in the study. Uh, so we found a day-to-day -day bidirectional association between the timing of sleep onset and physical activity, uh, such that uh, more overall activity and moderate to vigorous activity were associated with earlier uh, sleep onset that night, whereas later sleep onset was associated with less overall activity and MVPA the next day. And we also found that higher activity levels were associated with worse sleep quality and vice versa. Thank you for listening. That was my presentation. Thank you, Tatiana. Thank you. That was great also. And we have uh, five minutes for questions. Uh, we don't have any questions on the chat other than we had a question uh, by uh, Vera where she can find the software. So this is uh, the GGR, uh, the G, sorry, GGIR software, uh, Tatiana. Correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. So I'll yeah, I can some... see in the chat. Yeah, I think the band yeah, yeah. pasted uh, the exact link. Yeah, it has um, kind of the very nice description and a guide step by step kind of an introduction how to do this analysis. And just by following the steps, I think uh, you can get quite far. Yeah. And one question about the GGR, uh, I'm sure that uh, some uh, people in the audience would be interested to know whether GGR is appropriate to analyze uh, accelerometry data wearables from any site, any wear site, thigh, wrist, or is it limited to wrist? So as far as I know the methods that I'm using, so it is limited to wrist, but I think because I'm not, you know, I'm not really working with the thigh data, but um, I'm quite sure that there is a code within R to process uh, the data from ActivePal, for example. I think Alex came on, I think, is it, am I correct? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can use GGIR to measure raw acceleration data from anywhere sites, um, but the sleep algorithms validated, like Tatiana was saying, for the yeah. wrist. 
so you yeah. it, it doesn't mean that it wouldn't work at another wear size it just means that it hasn't yet been through those steps for the actual sleep part but yeah it can be used um whether it's a uh, wrist or hip or whatever wear site you're using in the literature at least uh is is the ggr is used mostly for wrist uh, i don't think i've seen i don't think that i've seen any published work uh, for thigh accelerometry but we can uh, we have access to the source uh, because vincent van his is the lead of our federated uh, uh, infrastructure uh, at Propass. So we can uh, talk to Vincent directly. Uh, we have another question uh, by Matilde. Uh, do you have an idea why the higher physical activity levels were associated with worse sleep quality? That's a really good question. Yeah, so this is what we found in our study and uh, this finding uh, contradicts uh, most of the prevailing literature which shows the opposite uh, association. I think uh, uh, specific to our study, because we did find that more physical activity was associated with earlier sleep onset, but this actually did not translate into increase in sleep duration. So meaning that even though they went to bed earlier, it means that they just spent time, more time in bed, but not sleeping. And of course that will, um, so the wake after sleep onset will increase. That's why we found in our study, but uh, yeah, it was quite an interesting finding. There was only maybe one study that I came across in adolescents that reported similar finding, but um, it's, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. As I explained, thank you. Um, we don't have any other questions on the chat function. I have one question. Um, it's around the use of methodology, the combined log, uh, sleep log plus accelerometry methodology. So. Is the sleep log really worth the effort, considering that it involves uh, quite a lot of burden for the participants? Uh, for large epidemiological studies, especially ongoing cohorts with multiple sweeps, uh, uh, long-term cohorts, uh, it's the kind of measurement that may put off people, uh, the, com the combo of accelerometry plus sleep log. So on the whole, is the sleep log worth the effort or can we get decent enough good enough information only from accelerometers uh, sleep information yeah very good question so i have actually done a study previously uh comparing uh those two different conditions so we looked at the uh, at the sleep data without a sleep log and with a sleep log and it actually showed quite high agreement of course, it was, it was not a validation study, uh, but I'm, at the moment I'm also uh, looking at validating this algorithm against polysonography and it's showing a promising results. The thing here, uh, from my experience, if we're looking at the averages across the measurement period, for example, over the seven days, uh, it won't probably have an effect uh, on our data, but if we're gonna go to individual um, level data, and if we, that's what we're interested in, the sleep log can potentially help to identify, you know, those uh, nights and give us an idea uh, what is happening within this participant. But I guess in large studies, uh, we can probably now just use the automated sleep detection algorithm, especially if we're just using the average data. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, and I would like now to hand it over to Joe. 
Uh, hope I'll see you all uh, next time. Joe will give us some information about the forthcoming seminars. Thank you all. Hi all, I'm just going to put in the chat the links to the next um, seminars. So we've got one coming next Wednesday um, and then the, one, the next one's the following um, Thursday. So we've got a great lineup and hope everyone can make it. And these also will be tweeted on our um, Twitter. So I'll put our Twitter account. Feel free to follow us. We'll be tweeting about um, upcoming seminars. Have a great day or evening. Thank you all. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.